Thanks for downloading the 34th in our series of episodes of the C-Suite podcast that we're recording in partnership with the European PR agency Taito and their own Without Borders podcast, where we are interviewing leaders of unicorn companies to find out about the key issues, pain points, and challenges that startups face and how they can address them with a strategic approach to marketing and communications. My name is Russell Goldsmith, and my co-host for this episode is Taito's senior partner, Holly Justice. And today we're thrilled to be joined online from San Francisco by Jason Sintak, CEO of B2B sales and marketing platform Sixth Sense. Founded in 2013, Jason actually joined the company four years later, and the company then achieved unicorn status in March 2021. And then last year, after a Series E funding of $200 million, it reached a valuation of $5.2 billion. Welcome to the show, Jason. Can we start by you giving us a bit of background to uh, your company and also just talk us through the area of business you are seeking to disrupt? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, Russell. Appreciate the opportunity. Well, you said it, we're a B2B sales and marketing platform, but namely we call ourselves a revenue AI platform. What do we mean by that? Sales and marketing make up generally revenue, the go-to-market motion for most B2B companies. And we are disrupting that motion that business process where modern organizations are trying to change and rethink the way they approach their, their customers and prospects. We have a basis in big data and AI that helps companies synthesize, understand, and um, see signals of buyer propensity. And upon those signals, then execute an action, whether it be sales, marketing, customer success. And hi, Jason. It would also be great just to hear a little bit about your professional journey. Because I think if I understand it correctly, before joining Sixth Sense in 2017, you were CEO at Platfora, a big data company that was acquired by Workday, and also CRO at Responsys before that, which was then kind of obviously acquired by Oracle. Talk us through a little bit about kind of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, um, that's correct. And Responsys was, uh, for those who don't know, an email marketing platform, uh, namely B2C, folded in ultimately into the marketing cloud at Oracle. But I, uh, I started my journey at SAP, the enterprise software company, and started out in inside sales at SAP, graduating through sales and sales management, and then ultimately being a CRO of several software companies, the last one you mentioned, Responsys, and, and after that, Platfora. And so I'd say it's uh, history is largely enterprise applications across multiple functions. It's been everything from e-commerce to sales software to supply chain, CRM, marketing automation, big data, visualization, et cetera. And what might be quite interesting for us to talk about now is, as Russell mentioned in his intro, you joined Sixth Sense four years after it was founded. What was that like coming in as a CEO of a company that kind of had been led by a founder and, and you then taking it on board to, to achieve unicorn status? Are there any interesting learnings or challenges, observations, things you've picked up in, on that journey? Oh, sure. I mean, it's been it's been quite a journey. Really, it was unifying a great uh, founding team with an operating go-to-market function. And early on, I guess I guess actually mentioned responses and Platfora. Six Sense is really is really a blend of those two companies. One being marketing automation, the next being big data and visualization. So, uh, my experience with those two companies, I got me excited about a next generation of a way to do selling and marketing through data, uh, namely big data, and then applying machine learning and AI to that data set to help for a smarter, more surgical approach to the outbound sales and marketing motion. So, 
I joined uh, the company and the founders, roughly five million in ARR, and today, you know, we're uh, you know, two hundred million plus or minus, and that's you know nearly just five and a half years later. So we have quite a lot of experience together, and again, again, I'd say it's a complement uh, of skill sets. And today, I work with the founders, and we're still here together, running the company and and innovating. But yeah, it takes getting used to each other. It takes uh, you know a lot of practice in and around interpersonal skills, management skills. What are your interests? What are you best at? Where, where, where can we complement each other? And actually, one of our values at the company is just a growth mindset, balance with accountability, integrity, having fun, being one team, so to speak. And we've practiced that for the last six years, and I think that's part of our that is our DNA and, and part of our success formula. As we said, you know, reached unicorn status in. 2021, the, the latest funding round, if I've got this right, doubled your post-money valuation. Uh, so as, as I mentioned, that, that got to $5.2 billion. What we're keen to understand is kind of where has that money been invested to date? And also where will it be invested? You know, what's the focus for the rest of 2023 and, and maybe, you know, the next year or so after that as well? So that the growth rate's been pretty, pretty uh, quick. I mean, uh, doubling or a little more so for five past years. So um, a lot of the money is towards employees and, and hiring our team that actually makes six cents great. How many are you at now? Uh, roughly roughly uh, 1,300. Right. So part of it's been employees. We've also acquired uh, four companies in the last um, two years. And a lot of that money is, is not necessarily to fund the acquisitions, but to actually integrate and stitch and develop new technology to bring one product to market. And so we acquired a company called Fortella, which is a pipeline intelligence company, are now what we call conversational email, which is AI-led GPT-3 email. That company is called Sales Whale. Granite Media, which was a strategic ad platform to complement our existing ad product. Uh, carrying on for 2023, our newest and most acute focus is revenue AI for sales. And that's on the heels of our acquisition of Slintel, the data company, where it's really the marriage and unification of original and core six cents and all the intent and go-to-market functionality intelligence married to Slintel for the sales user interface for sales intelligence revenue um, AI. And that is bringing the power of six cents and our acquisition to the desktop of a seller and bringing real intelligence so they know how to go about their daily market motion and research and accounts people uh, and propensity to buy. So uh, much of the funding is is integrating the products, uh, continue to build in next releases, hiring people, and going after new markets. You just touched there on on uh, GPT. I mean, the hype around Chat GPT at the moment. What what's your thoughts on that? Just out of interest. I think it's great to to ride the tailwind, and we 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 actually had it in the product two years ago, so we feel fortunate. I mean, now wow, okay, now it's coming into light. We've got released products for everyone. <laughs> everyone else is announcing a new product soon to come. So I guess fortuitous. Our whole company, I say, the revenue AI platform. I mean, our our core principle is to have AI drive all of these modern applications. Um, this is just another example, and we decided this was. Yeah, I told you some of my background was email. Suppose the rules based, let AI drive, AI drive it, let the conversation happen as a benefit of the GPT 3 or Chat GPT. And fortunately, we've got that product in market live today. And, you know, I think it's AI is embedded in increasing more and more things. And part of our founding the company is that there's just too much data for any human to really process. So we needed to change our modern sales and marketing platforms. And Six Sense is rooted in this big data concept that, hey, let machines help you understand it. 
let these insights or information turn into insights and revolutionize how revenue is created. And as a former seller, look, a lot of it was uh, experimentation, even on the marketing side of the house. We didn't necessarily understand efficacy of programs. What I like to say today is data doesn't lie. I mean, data unifies sales, marketing, customer success to, to have one sheet of music of which to sing, uh, play songs to. And that, di that didn't exist five, 10 years ago. So we feel that gives organizations a more scientific approach to complement the art of selling, the art of marketing. So we can marry science plus, plus art for a, you know, a better motion in sales and marketing. Just coming on to the topic of leadership for a minute, uh, I can imagine leading Sixth Sense through such a phenomenal period of growth requires some quite exceptional skills from both you and your wider management team. What would you say are your greatest strengths? And then I guess what are the main strengths of the rest of the management team at Sixth Sense that you've built are? Big question. Uh, well, I guess with age comes wisdom. I mean, I, I mentioned my resume. I've, I've, I've seen the movie quite a few times at, at various different companies. Um, we've been part of big enterprises like SAP and Oracle. I've been part of ground up startups like Blue Martini Software, which is an e-commerce company. We built ground up, IPO'd, and then Y2K crashed. And so you, you, learn, you, you learn a lot through these various experiences. For one, you start to see pattern recognition. So seeing pattern recognition of what works, how people work, the chemistry of people and product, uh, bringing something to market, testing it. I think uh, I operate from, a, I, I try to anyway, from a all thing with humility, uh, the fact that it takes one team, again, one team is part of our company value. Everyone brings something to the table, listen, learn, be adaptive, you know, candidly, be real, just keep it real and low ego. And I love working with people. I grew up in sales. I went, I went into sales because I like to interact with people. Now I just collaborate with people to, to build things. And that's fun. I mean, everyone likes to talk about transparency, uh, being authentic. I absolutely believe in that. Um, the difference is I practice it. And I think getting employees rallied around one cause in extreme transparency conversation helps everybody work together, like in great spirit. That's harder to do in practice. It's easy to say. And um, by the way, I think you know you mentioned the team. Uh, our table of of teammates and the leadership team recognizes that everyone brings something unique to the table, and so we listen, learn, and work together. And we're we're a tenured team, so part of the formula has been, I think, my senior management team. Everyone's been there five plus years, and we continue to hire new ones, and no one's left. And that's that's I love that. I love that we can figure out ways to problem solve, be stressed out, <laughs> de-stress. Go at it again, reinvent, learn, optimize, adapt. And I think that's our that's our key. That's impressive to to have such great retention there. And you were talking a minute ago, Jason, about kind of your career path and all of the experiences you've had at some of these large and small organizations. Of the different people that you will have met on your journey, which individual or individuals has had the the greatest impact on your development as a leader? Wow, that, um, so many. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, as of recently, you mentioned Platfora, Anil at Workday, um, very impactful guy. But my longest tenure was probably with Bill McDermott at SAP. I was at the organization nine plus years. He was there for part of it, my latter part. I saw multiple CEOs at SAP, all with very different leadership styles. Uh, Bill was definitely unique um, compared to the, the aforementioned years. And I'd say I take a little piece of everything. Um, you know, I, as, as a leader, 
what I had to grow up in into was not try to emulate a leader. By the way, I've made, I made that mistake. Like, oh, I need to be like Bill or I need to be like Anil or at Oracle like Mark Hurd. And, and I think the pitfall is trying to be like someone versus being comfortable in your own skin and taking what you've learned and then being your authentic self. And so once I once I realized and was confident that, hey, being you is okay. You don't need to, you don't need to mirror image another leader. I became way more confident in sort of my my wake up, my go-to-market motion and running a company, working with people. And I think that's that's just sort of be you. Be you, because you don't you don't change much, uh, but you can learn. That's good advice. A key focus of these discussions that we're having with all, all our unicorn leaders, Jason, is on communications and culture. So first of all, when Sixth Sense became a unicorn, did that change the perception of the company in any way? I think without a doubt, I think if anyone said answers no, I, I, that's, uh, I don't believe that would be an accurate answer. So yeah, we spent all these years building the company, as I told you, uh, right out of the gate. Uh, we weren't sure if, the, if it was going to work. We had an idea. We tested it. We got a lot of rejection. Initially, you know, customers didn't renew. Uh, not, I mean, not all of them, but um, some of them didn't. And it made you constantly rethink. And you're sort of in this early stage, you're like, are we going to survive? We raise Series E, go to B, go to C. Can we get to a C? Can we get from a C to a D? The further you mature, I think what we became unicorn in our Series D at 2 billion, then all of a sudden you have a whole whole new host of sort of challenges. Whoa, this is a big responsibility. I got all this money. I've got now everyone knows we're a unicorn. I guess the product does work after all. So it helped one with our our press and our brand. It definitely credentialized us. Uh, but then it, then it came with, well, shoot, we've, we've really got to execute from this point forward. And by the way, any entrepreneur or, or young company knows that execution becomes like a week, a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly activity, not an annual activity. If you're thinking about it, you know, in year, one year, two year, three year, you just won't get there. So yeah, it put pressure on us to deliver. By the way, these are investors that bet on us. They bet on our story. They bet on our executive team. They bet on our vision. It comes with great responsibility, that unicorn status and the, and the money, the investor money that we're chaperoning being responsible with. And for most tech companies, it can be really difficult to stand out. We all know what a crowded sector it is. What has been kind of at the heart of Sixth Sense's strategy to differentiate itself from competitors? Interestingly enough, when I joined the company, uh, there are all types of sales tech, martech, revenue tech. Um, I mean, we, we redubbed it and trademarked it RevTech ourselves, but uh, maybe back then it was martech and it was littered with feature-based companies. Many of them didn't succeed. A lot of people called me crazy for going into the category. Now, why would you do that? You know, you're, you're a veteran in enterprise software. You're going to this little startup. The reality is I believed in the vision of what the founders had set and, and wanted to be a part of that next generation of big data meets AI and unifying sales and marketing on one platform. And so that gave me confidence to proceed and, and go for it. Because I believe in the vision. I believe there was a better way. So the differentiation in that difficult market when, when it was hard to stand out, we believed we, we had a different product. We believed the AI and data approach was different and, and not well understood. And so, so it was really stay the course in a very crowded market and then educate along the way. So be evangelical relative to 
there is a better way. We should be more grounded in data to help us making decisions, big data that only machines can really process and then inform a seller or a marketer. So I'd, I'd say the biggest part was, you know, believing in ourselves and staying the course, but then educating a market along the way of, you know, what the promise could look like. And eventually it rang true. We're recording this just at the end of February. So we're, you know, just two months into 2023. There's still quite a lot of uncertainty, you know, in, in the economy. It'd just be good to know how you adjust your communications approach, you know, in in this current climate and, and also, you know, maintaining that that confidence in, in the company. Yeah, I mean, what interesting times, right? We uh, we had a huge bull market run and these premium valuations, you know, we take it seriously, obviously, but the market's adjusted. And, you know, with that, what, what comes is, you know, it can shake people's confidence. Hey, what's going on? Don't understand it. Um, is our company healthy? Am I going to lose my job? Are we still valued at what we were valued at just a year ago? So I think the number one ingredient to uh, that is back to our core values of communication and transparency. We answered all those questions to our employees. Uh, we answered those questions to our investors. And we answered those questions to our customers, uh, namely. So that needs to be the, 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 low, the common denominator every day. It's, you know, message, communicate more than you think you need to. Uh, this is a management lesson that we've all been taught before. But then it's then it's it's more to the stay the path. I mean, we believe at least for Sixth Sense, our product is is truly innovative, and we actually have like a, a little marketing message around our product right now called "Proceed with Confidence." And the reason you can do that in these uncertain times is because we have a very data driven approach where we we can understand that the total addressable market for a company, have insights around those accounts and people, and through data be confident in an action plan, a go-to-market plan. And so our message is actually relatively apropos to the current market condition is if you trust anything, trust Sixth Sense in the platform to help you guide through it, proceed with confidence because you have all the data at your fingertips. And if you want to go the old school route of um, sort of, you know, wet finger in the air and do all art, no science, good luck. But I think, I think that is part of the message. The other is, you know, we believe in our vision. We're in it for the long term. Valuations will go up and down. We don't control that. We don't obsess about it and stay the course. And so I guess those two key tenants has been part of our program here. And interestingly enough, you know, we had a record quarter this last fourth quarter, you know, all in the face of adversity. And so that also helps get our employees and our customers excited. And we communicate our results. We're very transparent with the objective. I mean, growth at all costs to now balance growth profitable growth. What does that mean? And so we actually educate our, our employees and our customers around that dialogue with both our investors and the community and what we're doing for that continued successful path. And you've talked a bit, Jason, about the values at Sixth Sense, but could you describe the culture at the company and also explain to us a bit about how you guys have sought to nurture it? Yeah, so the values are accountability, growth mindset, integrity, uh, fun, I mean, and one team, uh, work as one team. So look, I like to have fun. I want everyone to have fun, uh, responsible fun. We like to build things. We, we have a vision, but have fun along the way and, and be a good person is really just, you know, that's why you hear accountability, integrity, but you got to practice it. And, and, you know, people, you know, uh, vision statements, value statements that are posted on the wall mean absolutely nothing unless you practice it. And so I think it's a, we constantly try to do that. I do that. I, I mentioned before humility. I, 
I have great humility. I figured I was more comfortable in my own skin when I can just be myself. I communicate with the company. I, I laugh. I cry. I, you know, get embarrassed. I stumble. I, like, hey guys, it's okay. We're human, and I think people feel that, and it's, it, you know, they feel it. So they feel it and live it. And if they feel it, live it, then they believe it. And that culture continues to permeate through the company. People like it. You know, we've won a lot of awards and. The challenge now is to continue to scale with that type of culture. But I just remind the team, this is our culture. It's up to you. It's up to us to continue to grow. It's, it's not it's not me. I mean, I can I can say this is what I hope for. But if we all if we all like this mindset, then let's let's hire to it. Let's practice it and we'll scale together. And if I'm right in thinking that you've kind of got a remote workforce at Sixth Sense, how have you kind of managed that? Kind of bringing that culture and that element of of fun and humility when you've you've got a remote team. You know, fortunately, we started the remote concept before COVID, and then we were probably a year into that. I mean, it was largely out of necessity. I mean, hiring and building a company out of the Bay Area is expensive. It's hard to find talent. It's competitive, and uh, I just said, look, we measure ourselves on KPIs. Let's hire wherever we can, wherever we find the best talent globally, and we'll go from there. We all have our metrics that will watch. And I, I generally believe people are good and want to do the right thing and want to uh, aspire to greatness. And so let's see if we can manage it that way. So that carried over well into COVID. We were sort of COVID ready because of that. Today, it's back to sort of some of the things we already talked about, extensive communication, connectivity. I and mean, we've, we've done all the sort of fun things that people do where you have the craft kit ideas, uh, the swag kits that go to the homes, the I don't know, food making, cocktail making, but that's, you know, I think people are a little tired of that right now. And so we're having to like reinvent new ways to communicate. You know, we're, we're not doing a forced back to office. When you hire a team that's so distributed, what office would they go to? So that's the real interesting thing. So we provide offices for those that want to go to them if they live locally. Uh, but otherwise, it's, uh, you know, I guess I charge all the managers to say it's up to you to build community. You know, we build it. We build it through different events that bring people together uh, on the Zooms. We have we do have physical uh, annual uh, on sites where we bring groups together. In fact, the whole company together, and it's it's that littered throughout. But then, you know, week to week, month to month, it's the manager's job to build community in their respective function. You talked a little bit there, Jason, about some of your approaches to internal communications. Which ones would you say have worked particularly well for you guys? You know, I think it's up to the personality of that individual manager or leader. I much prefer sort of format like this where I'm talking live. I have written communication to the company, but I think people can see, feel, touch in a way, not physically (laughs) over video, but this is where I'm most comfortable and I'm very comfortable in the ad hoc. And I like to get the ad hoc questions from our customers, from our employees. So that's how I do it. But it is, it is complemented by communication. It's written. And then we have Every other week, town hall meetings uh, where we communicate our strategy, our vision. Our, we actually communicate our results to the company all the time. So everyone knows where we stand exactly um, and what our objectives are, whether it's good or bad. Beyond that, I'm, I'm looking for ideas myself. So I think this is a new world for, for all of us. Well, I mean, ju- just on that, because like sw- switching from internal comms to, to external, and you just kind of touched on it a little bit there. But yeah, how do you view your role as the external spokesperson of the business. And I guess, what have you learned along along the way as well? Well, we are a, a, a sales and marketing platform and my marketing team is really the external. <laughs> We've got quite a good marketing team. And, you know, from, from my CMO on down, I think we do quite, we leverage our own platform. We use our own platform. 
um, to communicate. But, but that, to our- yeah, but there's a, I was going to say there's a mix of, because you've got, obviously you've gone through the funding round. So, yeah. you know, you, you, you're presenting the company to your investors, but then you've got the media after that. And then, you know, so there's lots of other things, isn't there? I don't, and I also don't know, I mean, do you present at conferences, for example? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, we do, we do customer conferences where I and the executive team and the whole, whole company presents to our customers. We do that physically in person. We do once a year, we do uh, other regional events in person. We participate in trade shows in person as a late stage company. I'm in a lot of investor public sort of crossover, potential IPO investor meetings. So that's a regular, regular roadshow and cadence of of their, uh, of the bank conferences, if you will. And those are largely, they become back in person. I guess it's an always on. I mean, I sort of go everywhere when needed and more of my job becomes advertising, communicating the message of Sixth Sense and why it's important and what we do. And the audiences are quite different. You know, we have, we either have practitioners that fully understand, or we have maybe investors that are trying to understand the story, potential investors for the, for the first time. And so we have to bring them along the journey. Do you think, just going back to what Holly was saying right at the start about the fact that you weren't the founder, you came on board as the CEO, but have that background in sales and marketing compared to, because the reason why we asked this question is a lot of, obviously the majority of the people that we've interviewed on this series were the original kind of founder had the idea, they may have started as a coder and then suddenly came up with this great, you know, piece of software that suddenly expanded and, and you know, application and, and now they're fronting a, a a huge business, but they weren't necessarily comfortable being the front person of, of the business. They were quite happy sit, sitting away at their keyboard. So does you, do you think that puts you at an advantage as having that background to then lead lead a business like this? Specific to Sixth Sense, yes, because I grew up in sales and marketing, and this is a sales marketing mm. platform. So yeah. um, I mentioned some of my other enterprise app experience, like let's just say supply chain. You know, I wasn't a supply chain professional. I learned the product. I learned the attributes, values of it and to message it. But candidly, I'm way more comfortable being the spokesperson and articulating our vision because this this is just automating what I do as a career all my life. And so I, you know, I can get really enthusiastic about and passionate yeah. about what we're solving for based on my background, which was sales marketing. Mm-hmm. And for that matter, we do a lot of complex stuff. I mean, I'm not... I'm not an engineer. Uh, I'm not a data scientist. I don't know AI. You know, that's but that's the complement of our executive team and our founders, and that's what their strength is. And so, the marriage of those two things, is, I think, has made us uh, who we are today. And I, I love it. Yes, yeah. it's, it's it's truly a marriage of skills and 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 one that's working. And would you say you've always been a natural communicator, or is it something that you've had to to work at? You know, I'm I'm part introvert, part extrovert. So a lot of times I like to sit back and observe, and I, I'm not dying to be the, the the person talking at a cocktail party. I'd say I just sort of go back and forth uh, with time. I'm definitely more comfortable. I mean, I'm enjoying this time with you. It's just a conversation. Yeah, I'm a communicator. I, I, you know, I got into sales because I want to talk to people. But it's when someone says you're a salesman, I mean, it's a very strange thing to hear. I don't, I don't, my back in my SAP days, I learned that a good salesman means bringing value to a customer, being able to articulate and demonstrate that. That's selling. Selling, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, see magic tricks as part of selling. <laughs> it's value, and then I can get comfortable because you know there's there's something there's a there there. So, yeah, it's evolved over time. I enjoy it, but there's plenty of times where I don't feel like being on stage. I still get nervous going on stage. 
I get nervous coming to this interview. I want, I want to do the right thing. <laughs> I want to represent the company. That's a good thing. It's a good thing though, isn't it? Yeah. Still having that. I want to represent the company. I, well. I, yeah. Otherwise, it sort of like almost becomes self-confidence, brings breeds arrogance, doesn't it? And then, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's, it's good to still have those butterflies if you're standing up in front of a, a huge conference. Yeah, well, as psychology says, most people do uh, always. So it's, it's good to know safety in numbers. And what's been your biggest communications challenge that you faced in your personal journey? And anything that you have done or did to overcome that, that you could just kind of walk us through? Well, the, I mean, the recent one that comes to mind is just communication of this about face and the market dynamics for technology from this you know, growth at all costs. Uh, at any cost, I should say, uh, bull market to, whoa, path to profitability, essential, and this market adjustment, that communication to the broader employee base. I can't say it was difficult. It was just, it was challenging. Like, how do you explain all this to to everybody? How does it make sense? What's it, what's it going to, you know, everyone wants to know what's it going to mean for me personally, and that's okay. Like, you know, everyone should be out for themselves because it's your job. It's what you care about. It's how you, how you wake and breathe. And as long as it's, you know, as long as it's uh, not at the cost of a team, uh, I support that. So I think that was a big challenge, sort of going through this adjustment, you know, making sure everybody became settled uh, and understood what we're, what the, what the vision and long-term look like. And as you talk, talk communication, I think transition is always tough for people. So whether it's transitioning from one job to another, you know, one thing at the company, it's always interesting to bring new people into the company and uh, they're trying to figure out largely that you can figure us out. We have a brand now. We've got plenty of press around our culture and awards, but you go through an interview process to feel out, so to speak, a company. And that's what I hear. And, and the good news is that most people come to the company afterwards say, wow, you know, the interview process came true and it doesn't happen very often. And I'm I'm most proud of that. And my little mantra inside the company is I want to make this your best career stop ever. I want it to be most memorable. I mean, SAP was one of my most memorable experiences still to this day. And it's like, I want people to have a good time and, and remember that. And uh, by the way, I say stop because I'm a realist. I mean, people transition jobs quicker than they do uh, 10 years or shorter than they did 10, 20 years ago. So I just want them to remember six cents is the best ever. And if I can, if I can sort of orient that way every day, and try to bring that, you know, it's not going to be absolute, but sort of fun thing to try to execute on. You said you've got 1,300 people now, but do you get to at least introduce yourself to to the new recruits on a, on a regular basis? Well, I think, you know, it's harder hiring at the pace we did to meet everybody. So no, particularly in the world of remote, um, it's been very difficult. But I, I, do a, I do a thing called work anniversaries. So I, I get smaller groups together beyond the town hall to people that have an anniversary and uh, I reconnect with them on an anniversary in a group. And that's my way of staying in touch with people. Also getting harder at scale so that the, the larger we scale, making one-on-one -on -one connections becomes that much more difficult. You know, have a, have a culture of open door, email me, anyone that wants to talk on anything, anytime, anywhere. Like it's, I communicate that. There's no, you know, we run a flat organization. There's no hierarchies that are uh, supposed to be followed as part of protocol, zero. Like, you know. Talk to whoever you want to at the company. So I think that helps keep it human. And then, you know, I prioritize the fun. I prioritize engagements where we get to interact. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't interview everybody. It's impossible. Jason, we've got 
one final question that we've asked all our unicorn leaders is it's kind of focused on communications because that's a big part of, of what we're doing with this. You may have covered it, but I'm going to ask it to you. If you were to go back in time and speak to your old self, what guidance would you give yourself about communications? Trust your gut and stay true to yourself. Jason Sintak, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to uh, chat with us today. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it, Harley and Russell. Holly, thoughts on what Jason had to say? Yeah, there was such a great mix of discussion there, wasn't there? But I think for me, the, the key takeaway I took was was the point he was making around, you know, when, when you look to other leaders, not trying to emulate anybody in particular, but being comfortable in your own skin and and that kind of being a real turning point for him as a leader in, in kind of like growing himself and just knowing that his instinct and, and his way of doing things was what was going to see most success. And obviously, he's he's done a fantastic job at Sixth Sense, so it's it's proving right. Um, I thought there's a lot to learn from that. I love how you always spot the nuggets in these conversations. <laughs> you always pick out the re- that was a really good one. Very good, excellent. Thank you as ever, Holly. Um, that is actually it for this latest episode in our special series with Taito. If you want to find out more about Sixth Sense, uh, their website is very simply uh, sixthsense.com using the number six in that URL. We'd love to hear your comments on today's chat. You can do that by sharing them on our Facebook, LinkedIn. Instagram or Twitter feeds, or you can do it in the comments of the YouTube version of this podcast. Those are all linked from the top of our website at csweetpodcast.com, where you'll also find all our previous shows and supporting show notes, plus links to where you can follow us for automatic downloads of each episode via the likes of Spotify and Apple. And if you've liked uh, what you heard, please do give us a positive rating and review. We're of course available on all podcast apps. Just search for the C-Suite podcast and hit follow or subscribe. You can also subscribe to the Without Borders podcast from our partners at Taito. All the details for that are on their website. Just head to taitopr.com and click on the podcast link in the top nav bar. You can also download a copy of Growing Without Borders, the unicorn CEO guide to communication and culture from Taito's website. It's a overview of the first 15 of our unicorn interviews. If you are a unicorn leader yourself and you'd like to be part of the series, please do get in touch via the contact form on the website at csweekpodcast.com. And of course, anyone can get in touch with any feedback you may have. And finally, you can also reach me via Twitter using at Russ Goldsmith, or you can find me on LinkedIn. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.